welcome to this week's edition of Talk on Tech. I am Patrick Smith, and we're doing another one of our interview-only episodes this week with Scott Nicholas. How's it going, Scott? Pretty good, Patrick. So, you may remember episode 10 of our podcast. Scott came on and talked about um, a lot of great stories from the trenches for IT consultants and about how he had originally taught at Marshall Community Technical College. Well... Guess what? Scott is now back at Mount West Community and Technical College. We've managed to steal him back. And Scott, why don't you tell us just a little bit about what you've been doing here at Mount West? Yes, I'm actually the prodigal son returning here to the uh, to the family. Um, what I was brought in to do, or brought back to do, actually, uh, was a great opportunity, really. Um, we've got a new program called uh, Bridging the Gap Fast Track. And uh, what we're doing with that, it's a it's a uh, a grant, a federal grant that we're that allowed us to do it, and we're pretty much just you know frenetically going through A plus, uh, Cisco CCNA, and then Microsoft MCSA and MCSE all in 15 months. Wow! So that's a, a summer semester, a fall semester, a spring semester, and then you finish in summer. Yep, that's right. Yep, and and you had you had said that. Um, Back in the back in the day when when you were teaching with Sherry and Jack, you all had attempted to do the Cisco program in two semesters. Like yes, one and two semester first, like eight weeks, eight weeks, and then eight weeks, eight weeks. Yeah, actually, Sherry had done that, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I would gladly say that she's you know a better Cisco instructor than I am. I, I think, but um, she she. It didn't work out well for her. You know, I think the students thought it was just way too fast. And, and here we are, you know, doubling that, uh, where we're doing four CCNA classes in one semester. And it's turned out to be really successful. Uh, one of the students, uh, Muhammad, one of my students there, got the highest grade I've ever seen on a Cisco exam in real life. Wow. And, uh, you know, he only missed one, one question there. And we just kidded around and said he could have got 100%, but, you know, you needed to get one wrong so it didn't look <laughs> bad. You know, so. Right, yeah. They want to make it look suspicious. That's right. Well, that's fantastic, sir. Well, I know we just got back uh, from Redmond, Washington. That's right, the mothership. We, yeah, we went to we went to Microsoft. So we were been MCSEs and uh, certified Microsoft people for many, many years, and we just got to come back. But I figure before we get into that, um, there's a story that I, I've heard you say that it occurred to me we didn't get to talk about on the tenth episode uh, about um, about your bucket of patience and why are all my lights red. Yes. Um, the, the patience thing came about when I was still working at the computer store in Huntington. And um, my boss at the time, Mary Jo Miller, uh, she was talking to my wife. And my wife said, you know, Scott has no patience whatsoever. And my boss said, what? And she, Clara, my wife, said, Scott, no, no patience. And she said, he's one of the most patient people I know. You should hear him in there talking to customers, you know, and talking them through all this stuff. He never gets upset. He's calm and all that kind of stuff. And my wife said, Scott Nicholas. <laughs> and so and so she said yeah he's he's so patient and so i actually have a theory on that um over the years it's kind of evolved and um basically i said i think that you start out the day with a cup of patience it's full and then as you go through the day you end up using the patience a little bit of time or a lot of the time depending on how bad the day is 
And then by the end of the day, which was when my wife would normally see me, I was pretty much out of patience at that point. <laughs> and so uh, I think that kind of explains, you know, that situation is that right. you, you do. My boss thought I was really patient. My wife thought I had no patience. So, Well, also um, you were getting paid to be patient at work. That's true. I mean, you just can't scream at customers and expect them to keep coming back, you know, and paying you for that. So Yeah, you don't want to be Nick Burns. <laughs> yes, move. Yeah. So, uh, so and kind of related to that whole patient scenario, even when you were at the computer store, you then moved on to teaching, whether it was at MCTC when we were Marshall or OU or now Mount West. Yeah. But that, that patience thing also moved into the classroom as well. Yeah. I actually had a student one time at OU. He was he had, he didn't have a car, and, and so I had offered – I'm not even really sure why I offered off the top of my head. I said, well, you can ride with me. Uh, he lived in Proctorville, and so he would ride with me. And um, we got a, out of class one day, and he said, how can you not just scream at these people when they ask you the same question over and over and over again? And I said, well, you know, I, I, you know, I, I can't do that. And so um, I gave him the whole thing about the, the cup of patience thing. But the story you're talking about, I started a, uh, a, uh, excuse me, a Cisco Academy there at OU, and we gave the first classes in Proctorville. And um, this one particular lab that we were doing, um, the, the Cisco curriculum said that Packet Tracer, the, the program that we used for simulations there, did not support something called the range command. And that allows you to configure a range of ports at, you know, with one, uh, one command, basically. Mm-hmm. And so I had tested it, though, with a new version of Packet Tracer, and it worked. And so we were getting ready to do a lab. And I said, hey, guys, um, the curriculum says that this – Range command does not work with Packet Tracer, but it does. And so, you know, you, you can use it. And they, they were just chomping at the bit to get on their lab, you know. <clears throat> and so they said, well, okay, can we go? Can we go? And I said, sure, go ahead. Let me know if you have any problems. And so it wasn't very long, and a hand went up in the back there. And so I went over, and I said, yeah, what's up? He said, hey, how come all the lights on my switches are red? And I said, well, I don't know. Let's take a look at your configuration. You know, show running config. And... um turned out he had only configured one port and he was supposed to do something like 10 ports and so i said you know that's the range command thing i was talking about up there and he's like oh yeah yeah yeah. I'm, I'm, how did that go again anyway and so i talked you know told him what it was okay thanks a lot went back up to the front another hand goes up i went over there hey how come all the lights on my switches are red well i don't know let's look at your configuration same thing one port range command yeah how'd that go oh here you go and so another arm goes up Hey, how come all the lights on my switches are red? And so this goes on and on for about eight or nine students had done this. And the very last person said, okay, don't get mad at me. But and I know it's probably <laughs> the same thing all these other people said too, but how come all the lights on my switches are red? And so, you know, I still uh, I stayed calm and, and, you know, we went through it. And so I get out of class. It's like 830 at night. I go home and my wife says, oh, uh, hey, you need to help Melissa build a car that runs on a balloon and um for for science class and she needs that tomorrow and she goes to bed at 10 and so i said and earlier in the week she'd mentioned something about that and i said go on youtube because if one science teacher is doing this they're all doing that yeah exactly and so i said well did you go to youtube and look that up she said no (laughs) and so i said okay let me tell you what i just came from (laughs) (laughs) and so i go through the whole you know why are all the lights on my switches red thing and she says you're lying and i said no i'm not lying and then i come in here and you say build this car out of a balloon you know in an hour and a half and i had asked you if you'd looked and you said no and so 
you know, I said, you think I don't have any patience, but I have incredible restraint, I think, you know. So anyway, it's just a theory, but, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, but e- either way, whether you're in the classroom or whether you're you're working IT uh, out in the field, you need to have patience. Yes, that's, you that, do. That's why you've been as successful as you have been with, with Maybe. things. <laughs> yeah. But um, but the the program that Scott is back for, the Bridging the Gap or the Fast Track program as we call it, we will be doing a later podcast where we explore all that for you all and um, definitely put it out there so you can know when this type of thing starts because we are starting the Fast Track programs usually every summer so you guys are trying to get them in february march april is that when you're trying to right to, pick to, them get, up? to get interest going on that because yeah. it's, it's actually we have certain criteria that we have to meet to, to for the grant requirements mm-hmm. and so um we're we screening people where usually we don't do that right so so we will be doing a future podcast on the fast track program but if you want to get any information you can email me uh patrick smith at smith 288 at mctc.edu or you can email scott at nicholas at mctc.edu ahead of time and we'll be glad to get you information and get you on board so you know uh, what you need to know and be ready for it when yep. it comes around next summer. But as I mentioned earlier, Scott and I finally got to go to Microsoft, and this has been a long time coming for us, Scott. We oh, were, yeah. We were, you know, they're now called IT Academies, but uh, previously, weren't we an AATP? Yeah, we were an AATP, and then actually we were um, uh, an ATEC before that. I, I had forgotten about that, and one of the guys from Microsoft pointed that out to us. You know, that was a, a um, an academic training education center or something like that and then aatp was an authorized academic training provider mm-hmm. those were both free and mm-hmm. um and then of course the it academy came along and they started charging us five thousand bucks right off the top wow yeah didn't terrible. matter if you were a hole in the wall or whether you were like harvard that's correct and i've pointed that out many times to microsoft i'm sure i wasn't the only one because they finally eventually knocked that down to like 1700 or something mm-hmm. like that a year so i mean i can remember we weren't. I, I think we were just starting that when I was going through because we did our uh, we did our dry run through. I think in the summer of two thousand, and then you moved it up to uh, Windows two thousand in the fall of two thousand and spring of two thousand one when I went through, and so we just got to go summer of two thousand fifteen. So it's been fifteen years. Fifteen years. Yeah, and you'd been certified for even longer than that, so you'd still never made the trip to Microsoft, and I'd never made the trip to Microsoft. Yeah, I think my first certification with Microsoft was ninety seven. Um, I think that's the oldest thing I saw on the wallet card. Yes, which which you know you used to always joke around in class that when we got certified and we got those wallet cards, and for anybody out there that doesn't know what we're talking about, if you Google. MCP wallet card you'll see a picture of what we're talking about and it would have your name and your certifications and on the back it would usually have a, a strip like a, like a, like credit, a credit card, card yep. mm-hmm. and you used to always joke that there must be a special room at Microsoft that we can get in with those cards e- either that or that's what would get us into the special parties at Bill's house exactly exactly right. And then we go to Microsoft. We finally get to Microsoft, and then um, Patrick starts telling that story, and I look in my wallet, and I do not have my wallet card with me. <laughs> I'm, I'm in Redmond, and I can't get into any of the good stuff. Yeah. And, um, 
And, and Patrick, you didn't have yours either, right? I didn't know, no, no, because I, I didn't want to have it because they're so sacred and scarce these days that if you lose it, you know, I mean, yeah, because you don't get them anymore for your certification, and you won't so. get the old ones either. You know, they'll yeah, be right. like a brand new one. So, yep. um, and so it was really funny though because we we told this story and and all these Microsoft people were you know laughing. They they had a great time about that, and so then um, I had different people from Microsoft come up at different times, and one guy comes up and he says, um hey, we were going to let you into the super secret room, but you don't have your card, so not now. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, okay. And then another person came up and said, hey, you know, there's a big party at Bill's house this weekend, but you can't come because you don't have your wallet card. And I said, okay, you guys, I still have time. I can get that sucker overnighted here in a heartbeat, so, you know, don't push me. But Well, I, I even know that when we were we were driving one night to go eat because – this was a Microsoft Summit. It was yes. not, it was not a conference. So we learned the difference between yeah. the two. So so we were a captive audience all day long um, for that, and they they drove us over this bridge that was basically floating on pontoons. Yes, the floating bridge. And when we came back, they're like, "Bill's house is somewhere over there." You just can't see it for all the trees, and right. so we would have totally been able to get into the party. Exactly. I mean, most of his thing, I'd seen an article about that where most of his compound or whatever you want to call it is actually underground, and I mean, I understand that security-wise for his family, and so, yeah, you, you couldn't see things, just basically trees over there, so. Right. Well, I know that even going so far back as, as um, the Windows 2000 classes, which I had in the fall of 2000 and the spring of 2001... There was a class that I still regard as, as one of my hardest tests ever. Yes. The, the 222 exam, I believe, which was the Migrating Windows NT4 to 2000 class. Yeah, it was the smallest book, but the hardest class. Yeah, because, I mean, it was, if you can imagine them not testing you on what's DNS and how's it work, they're suddenly like, when you're migrating things, you need to create an OU over in the, in the destination domain that's the name of the source domain with a dollar sign. From a person that was not big into programming at that point, it yes. sounded very, very tedious, all the little steps you had to do. Well, not only that, I mean, it was a, an entirely new concept for Microsoft, the, the um, directory service idea. Mm-hmm. And um, I have to give credit to Novell where credit's due because, you know, I started out as a Novell engineer, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, they they came out with their directory service first, and um, it was proprietary, as many things Novell did. And so um, Microsoft, as they often do, they watched and, and learned, actually, from Novell, and they saw how Novell had problems with their directory service and scaling and things like that. And so when they went ahead and brought theirs out, it was based on DNS, you know, which is incredibly scalable because the entire Internet's running off that. So right. It was a new concept, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember in that course, you showed a video at one point yes. that, that years later I thought, I'd love to show that to my class. It was an amazing video about they had documented the weekend that Microsoft had taken their Redmond domain, which was the domain at Microsoft. Yes. I think it was like... 20-some thousand users, and that's not even including the, the the computers. Right. And they did the migration. And this was even before Windows 2000 hit the shelves. Yeah, over a weekend. Because they said if it can't work for us, it's not going to work for them either. Right. So I thought it was a great video on, on project planning. Oh, it was. On, on Microsoft eating their own dog food. I mean, doing doing all those things that, that shows, hey, if it doesn't work for us, it's not going to work for them. Well, I often thought, you know, yeah, if I was doing a migration and I had the guy that actually wrote DC promo standing next to me, you know, yeah, that'd be great 
great. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, it showed that some things didn't work no matter how much planning they'd done ahead of time, and, and they had to, you know, respond to that and everything. And it was it was really a good uh, a good video. And then you would ask me about it, and I looked in all the materials that I had, and, and I could still download the instructor materials for those books, you know, those courses years later. Right. And could not find it anywhere. And so we were kind of at a loss for that, and we've been looking for it for basically 15 years. And so we went to the mothership and we said, hey, we need some help. And they really kicked into gear. I mean, they, they were looking for it hot and heavy. And, uh, and so we ended up, it was, well, they gave, they gave us a hint as to what it was actually named. And then you yeah. actually found it on YouTube. So. They, they said it had been done for a series called The Daily, uh, I think it's called The Daily Cycle, mm-hmm. which actually I've since Googled more things on that. And if you go out and you, you Google or you YouTube, the Daily Cycle Microsoft, they got all kinds of cool video series out there. Like they had one they were doing on NT5. Yeah. Because they had actually sh- they'd actually shipped the beta of NT5 before it was Windows 2000. And I was really hoping it was going to stay NT5. You know, mm-hmm. I had started out my career on NT351. I got about halfway through and then NT4 came out. And so I had to start over basically. And so um, I, I like the idea, NT4, NT5, you know, whatever. And then they said, as Microsoft will do, they changed their mind and didn't really ask anybody. They just did what they wanted. And so they called it, you know, uh, Windows was windows 2000 2000 server Mm -hmm. and of course at that same time it was y2k and so uh, i do remember that everybody was calling it win 2k which microsoft did not like that idea at all because everybody was afraid the world was going to end you know on uh, december 31st 1999 so well i even you know i even used to call it like uh win 2k3 win 2k8 (laughs) yes but now now it seems pointless to call it you know win 2k12 because there's, there, you don't you don't lose the t- double zeros. Yes. You're now up to 2012. You might as well just say 2012. I know. We just have to get over it, I guess. Yeah. And it's, now the next version is going to probably be like Server 10, so they're going to change the naming scheme all over again. So we'll so see. Kind of be back almost to like the NT10 thing or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, if you do ver for version on that, you know, mm-hmm. you'll see it still says NT6 or whatever that kind of a thing. But yeah, it's still a flavor of NT6. Yep. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, you can see a lot of cool videos on there about how they were beta testing. Things, checking things out and so from a programming standpoint even from like a, a life cycle on beta testing there's a lot of cool videos out there i saw along those lines well i was i really appreciated the help that they gave us i mean they we were there you know right there uh, ground zero at microsoft and we told them what we were looking for and they really did go out of their way to try to help us find that you know they were like okay such and such is in charge of the archives and we'll just contact him and see what he says you know that kind of thing yeah i mean it, it was fantastic and another fantastic thing they showed us there, which I'd never even heard of, but apparently it's been out for a while. I guess there was this, like, uh, at least this U.S. initiative for this thing called Hour of Code. Yes. Where they tried to get everyone to do an hour of programming code to see how easy it was. Yeah, they even got the president in, yeah. in on that. And so the Microsoft's initiative for that is a website called touchdevelop.com. And they had that really cool HTML5 um, IDE, Integrated yes. Development Environment. For any device, yeah, for any device. So you could be on the on the subway, or you could be on the train going into work, and you could sit there and, and create a program with on your phone. your phone. Yeah, it yeah. was amazing. And, so. and, and it, 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 you almost you have to see it to really appreciate how cool it really is. Mm-hmm. And and I don't even call myself a programmer, but uh, there we were troubleshooting game code for Microsoft. You and I sitting there, and I was like, oh my gosh, here we are. We're actually troubleshooting Microsoft code for real. 
So, and, and of course, like in in an hour's time, you had managed to make a game where like a little guy with a jetpack was trying to. It was a it was a side scroller, asteroid type things or something yeah. like that. Of course, that was not good enough for you. So, yeah, of course, I had to make my hero be an iMac. And I had to make it dodge uh, Windows XP logos. Yes, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> why not just um, you know goad the bear while we're there, right? I mean, I couldn't find I couldn't find like a, a headshot of Steve Jobs to to, to maneuver around. Luckily, there. Steve Ballmer's not there anymore either. He would have chased us around, you know, screaming that he loves this company. Yes, so. yes. Now, I think my favorite part of the whole situation kind of takes a little bit of uh, uh, history. In two thousand eight. When you were still at Marshall Community Technical College and I had just started, you and I went to Salt Lake City oh, yes. to present at the League of Innovation. And while we were there, that was the summer of 2008, they just released Server 2008, and they had gone from the MCSE, the Microsoft Certified Systems Engineers, to this new moniker, MCITP, Microsoft Certified IT Professionals. Which nobody had any idea in the in the workforce what that was. Yeah, and it was brand new, and we were there. They had like an exhibition room where you can go see exhibitors in there, and, and Microsoft was there along with Prometric at the time. Yes. And we, we ran into a Microsoft... Uh, representative there and you we did proceed to give him a piece of our mind yes you know we don't have a lot to share but we'll give a piece away whenever we can and the whole deal there was in my and they're still this way microsoft that what they do is they they make a decision we're going to change this we're not going to ask anybody we're just going to do it to them and then we'll ask for feedback and then you know we're not going to change anything but go ahead and vent if you want and so at that time um it, it wasn't just me believe it or not it was many 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 uh, certified trainers and MCSEs who said, basically, you took all of our effort and, and loyalty that we spent with Microsoft and this brand, MCSE, which was really worth something, right. and you basically just threw it out the window. And um, I was extremely upset about it, and um, I was not shy sharing it, and so I, I let this guy from Microsoft know about that, and then, lo and behold, we ran into him at, um, it turns out we're famous or infamous at um at the, my, the Microsoft uh, home complex there because uh, he came, somebody told him he needed to meet this guy from West Virginia and he looked at me and he's like, oh no, I know that guy. And I said, I, I didn't recognize him, you know, myself and I'm really bad with names and all that stuff anyway, but he started looking at me. I was like, yeah, you really do look kind of familiar. And he starts telling the story and he says, yeah, you guys were there and you were presenting and, and, uh, he said, I just started working for Microsoft at that time, and you were really upset over the MCSE changes and everything. And so he said, um, you were so upset, I actually filed a, an internal report on that, you know. <laughs> I was like, okay, so that would actually explain the phone call that I got at home. And he said, you know, somebody called you? And I said, oh, yeah. Uh, I think he said <laughs> that he was the global manager for certifications for Microsoft, which mean he was at the top of the heap there for certification. He called me at home and I first thought, how do you get my home phone number? And I was like, it's Microsoft. They got my number. <laughs> and so he calls me up and he says, hi, um, this is such and such global, whatever. And I said, okay, <laughs> I really was not impressed because I was so mad over the whole thing. And so he said, I understand that you're a little upset over the changes we've made and everything. I said, oh yes, I am. And so I proceeded to vent to him too. And he had kind of hinted around that um, there were things that he couldn't talk about or share with me at the time, but it was like not going to be as bad as I thought it was or whatever. But I completely really didn't believe him because, I mean, you know, what the heck. 
But um, lo and behold, and when he said, well, that would have been such and such, and he gave the name, and I was like, yeah, that sounds familiar. And so um, lo and behold, it turns out that really what they were doing was just kind of setting aside the, the MCSE so that they could kind of do a bait and switch kind of a deal. And now uh, they've come back with the MCSE, but it's not the Microsoft Certified Systems Engineer anymore, which if you've got that, congratulations to you because you can't get it anymore. Right. And they're calling it now the Microsoft Certified Solutions Expert, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, a little bit of background on that, and, and nobody at Microsoft mentioned this, but I do know that way back when, um, Novell, their CNE was a certified Novell engineer or a certified netware engineer. And, you know, I had that in multiple flavors back then. And come to find out that in Canada, the um, engineers are are unionized. And so they took a look at these IT geek people that they were thinking, and they said, those people are not engineers. And so they actually took the whole thing to court, and they won. And um, Novell had to change their certification from, you know, certified netware engineer to certified netware expert or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I suspect maybe that might have driven some of this stuff with Microsoft, but I, I can't say for sure because nobody actually said that. Well, I know while we were still there, I was able to remote desktop to my machine at the house, <clears throat> look back at our Salt Lake City pictures. Yes. And I actually found a picture of you and me with with this, this, this guy, yeah, Jeff. Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> and... Um, so I was able to send him an email with that actual picture. But, I mean, that was 2008, and we were there in 2015, so seven years later. And and he still remembered, you know, vividly mm-hmm. <laughs> what, had, what had happened there, you know. So, I, I mean, I, I know I was I was really, really upset because I'd spent years getting where I was with Microsoft. And I'd been, I'd, you know, taken up for them and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden I felt like they just threw us all under the bus. Well, I mean, it kind of be like if Microsoft changed their name to some other, you know, brand, they they would lose all that brand identity they had. Exactly. And with the MCSE, people knew what those initials were. And, and it really, it was valuable. It meant something. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for them to just completely kind of throw it out the window, it, it really hurt. Yeah. So, but I mean, I thought that was, that was just hilarious that we oh, managed gosh, to yeah. run into him. And he's like, oh, yeah, I remember you. So, <laughs> yeah, I know that guy. Yeah. So. And, and then a lot of people were just impressed that we had had some form of an IT academy for like 15 years. Yeah. Uh, so. We were like the, the, the old folks, the old hands there around there. And so, um, in fact, they ended up, you know, videotaping you and I in, in, a, in an interview there. We haven't had a chance to see it yet, but we were like the only ones, you know. So, um, yeah, maybe there'll be a link or something later on that we could put up for people. You know. Yeah. So I mean, that would, that would be that would be a good thing to be able to put out there because we talked about the fact that you were my professor and then yes. I became a professor and started teaching the same thing and now now we teach together here at MCTC. Yep. So. And, and actually, you and I were talking about it. Several people from that first group that you were in have gone on to to be teachers. You know, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still say that that was the best group of students that I've ever had. I kind of feel, you know, protective about this first group of Bridging the Gap students, too. It's kind of like I did with you guys. And so mm-hmm. um, I made sure I took pictures of them and everything just like I did with you guys. And so, um, you know, down the road, I know they've, they've gotten offers for jobs, you know, multiple jobs. And so for people who say that, you know, there's no there's no IT jobs in this area or whatever. That's just not true. No. Um, I, I made good money here. Uh, it was, of course, in the um, golden heyday of, uh, of IT before the bubble burst. But, you know, back in the 90s, I was making over $100,000 a year in, in IT here in Huntington. 
So, you know. Well, I, I really like the story you told um, uh, the local career and technical center that we were at the other day about your Novell upgrade that you got to do that one time. Oh, yeah. You know, so many times we would get uh, a request for quotation on a, on a job company, the computer store that I worked at. Uh, we did a lot of government work, and so they would put out a request for proposal or a request for quotation, an RFQ. And so you'd have to sit down and, and consider, you know, how long did you think it was going to take to do this job and, and so forth. And so um, the Bureau of Employment Programs had a uh, – they had an upgrade that they wanted to do, and they had 23 locations throughout West Virginia, which, you know, is pretty geographically dispersed. And around what year do you think this would be? Gosh, I'm thinking it was maybe, you know, 97, 98, something like that. So, I mean, the Internet is not as um, prolific as oh, it no, is now no. and, and, and prevalent. Right. And so I, I took a look at that, and what they were wanting to do was upgrade their version of NetWare uh, in every location, 23 locations. And so, you know, figured out how long roughly it would take for each one and then driving time and all that kind of stuff. And so I had essentially bid, you know, $9,000 in labor. Uh, for for the upgrade in addition to the software and all that kind of stuff. And so it came time to do, you know, to start the project. And so I went up to Kanawha City, which is where their main office was. And I got up there and I, I started talking to them and everything. And I told them I was going to, you know, need to go out to such and such in these different locations. And they said, well, you know, we've got a WAN link um, to each location. I said, Really? And they said, yeah, you know, will, will that help? And I said, oh, yeah. Uh, it was like 9 o'clock in the morning. And um, so basically I just started the upgrade on 23 locations all at one time. And so I, I finished around noon. And so, <laughs> and so um, I didn't even leave. I've always said in class, you know, the better a network administrator you are, the less likely you have to leave your chair. And so um, I, I just couldn't leave it. And so. Uh, the way I got paid at the computer store was I got half of my billable time. And so I had bid $9,000, and so that meant I got $4,500 out of that, and it was three hours, so it was basically $1,500 an hour. And so I was driving back down the road after that, and I started to you know, feel a little bit guilty, and I was like, you know, sh- should I feel bad about this? And then I said, no, <laughs> because <laughs> there had been so many other times when it totally went the other way on me. You know, mm-hmm. I thought, well, this will this only take two, three hours or whatever, and it ends up taking two or three days. And so as we said before, you know, what goes around comes around, and, and it all kind of balances out in the end. And so, you know, but that, that was the most I ever got paid per hour was $1,500 an hour, you know, almost <laughs> like lawyer pay or something. And I'm sure the government loved that check. Actually, you know what? They were so happy that, the, that it was done. You know, right. it, it was no pain for them. It was a very short thing. And they're like, thank you very much. And I was like, no, oh, no, thank you. No, I, I meant the IRS. Oh, yeah, the IRS. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the yeah, IRS. I, I know there was one year I did my taxes, and I was like, gosh, I had to pay $23,000 in taxes. And I was <laughs> like, you know, that's somebody's whole job for a year, you know, that kind of a deal. Right. So, yes, there's always the, the tax man. Yes. Well, I think, I mean, we had a, a really fun time up at uh, Redmond, and hopefully if they have another one next year, it'd be great to be able to go back again at the end of the semester. You know, all the people that we met, it, it, was, a, it was a global summit. Yeah. And so we met people from all over, um, uh, Wales, um, New Mor- Zealand, Morocco. Morocco, Tunisia. Chile. Um, yeah, they were from all over, and, and they were all great. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it's like we all just got along right off the bat mm-hmm. and um and the the difference that we had learned the hard way the, between a summit and a conference was that uh a conference you pay to be there yeah so you basically pick and choose the sessions and things like that that you want to go to 
as we know now, a summit is when they pay for your you know thing, and um, and then they work you like a dog. Yes. Because we were up at O Dark Thirty six thirty in the morning there, <laughs> getting on a bus to go to Microsoft. You know where they kept us all day long till like five o'clock in the evening, and so. Um, they, they got their money's worth out of us for sure, but it was still great. I thought it was really cool when we were out there. We saw all these little uh, little vans, um, almost like the vans you would see at hotels, and they all said uh, the connector by Microsoft on the side, and I yes. asked somebody, and it was so awesome. They said that since, since Seattle and Bellevue and that area is so dispersed that you could actually schedule – for them, for them to drive one of the Microsoft buses to your house and pick you up at a certain time and bring you to work. Yeah. I thought, I thought that's really, really awesome. Well, you know, as we found out on, at, in Redmond, actually, at the Microsoft campus, they had over 100 buildings there at, at the main campus, but then mm-hmm. they had, you know, several more buildings there in um, Bellevue, and, um, you know, it, it was just, it, it was awesome. I mean, it was great to be there. Yeah. I, except for the ride from the airport. That was crazy. Yes, so, that was that was a... I did not realize that hybrid cars are basically go karts. I felt like it was in the, the the video game Super Mario Kart. Oh my gosh! He was he was driving very very fast. Yes, in fact, Patrick had even said, you know, and the thing of it is, it was electric hybrid, right? Yes. So you get full power immediately, and this guy, you know, was he was crazy, mm-hmm. and so we go pulling in, you know, flying into the parking lot at the hotel, and after we get out of the car, you know, thanking God that we're still alive, Patrick <laughs> says, you know. I thought, man, when we were coming in here, he said, I hope nobody's going to their car because they're just going to die. Yeah. And so, well, because he came in on the wrong side of the parking lot and basically had to make a giant U around the hotel. And never really slowed down at all on that. Not yeah, at so, all. Yeah, Not was, at all. That was crazy. I was, I was so glad to get out of there because I really thought, really, that we were going to have an accident for sure because the guy just was darting in and out of traffic and on and off the brakes and all that stuff. It was just crazy. So we made sure we did not get that kind of a ride back to the airport, which yeah. um, it was so nice to go yeah. back and you know a regular car mm-hmm. uh, nice smooth ride riding in the hov lane you know and, and which everybody you mentioned you know you couldn't believe that everybody was just following the rules there it was unusual it was like at one point it was five o'clock traffic and like the two lanes on the right were just what back to back you know bumper to bumper and the hov lane the what's that high ocu- high op- occupancy vehicles That's yeah it. so we were a bus at, at one point and i was like i'm just surprised that all these people have not tried to dart over into that lane it really instills the my faith again in, in the human race i said well i don't really have faith in the human race i have faith in the police here that giving out tickets for people who are in the HOV lane, but you know. Yeah, and our uh, bus driver thought it was very, very funny that I even said that. Yeah, really. He, he was he was great though. When yeah. um, we were coming back from, and, and all the Microsofty people there after we'd had dinner decided they wanted to do karaoke on the bus yeah. with with no music and no lyrics or anything, just so a just microphone, a- acapella, basically. Yeah. Oh gosh, that was. Ugh. Yeah. But it was, it was it was really really fun. So I think next year if we go, we'll definitely have to remember to bring our wallet cards with us. Yes. Yeah. And I even told them, you know, they, they tried to get me to sing Hotel California. And I said, you don't want me singing, but I could play for you, you know, on the guitar. So, yeah. Um, well, maybe next year you can, like, pack a ukulele. That way you don't have to have an extra carry-on or something. Yeah, sure. I'll just put it on my back. I've got a, a gig bag that comes on like a backpack. Yeah, you could be so. like Tiny Tim or something playing yeah. a little ukulele. Oh, so, well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Scott. Like I say, we will we will talk to him more about the uh, fast track option here at Mount West, which is a fifteen month uh, intense but very certification rich uh, degree that we have here, and and we'll be talking with him 
later around December, so you can go ahead and, and keep that in mind, and feel free to get a hold of us if you like. Like I say, nicholas at mctc.edu or smith288 at mctc.edu if you have any early questions about that. But that's going to do it today for Talk on Tech. Uh, I am Patrick Smith, and have a great week. Mm-hmm.